0: You are listening to ACPN. Emerald City Video, this is Russ. you have know that one with that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? <sighs> Hello and welcome to the Emerald City Video Podcast. I'm your host, Russ Berlingame, and if you listen to this show at all, you probably know me. If you don't listen to the show, and it just so happens that the episode where I give an explainer is your first episode of the show, then I'll break it down for you. Emerald City Video was, until April of 2009, a video rental store in Syracuse, New York. I used to manage the store for a while, and since this show started, nearly every voice that you've heard on this show is someone who used to work at Emerald City Video at one time or another. This episode, I'm introducing the ECV Spinner Rack. Named for the spinning magazine racks that people used to be able to get comic books off of Back when comics were sold literally anywhere other than comic book specialty stores As you might guess, this segment, uh, or this type of episode Probably will use it interchangeably, kind of like the Five for Fives Will be dedicated to looking at comics and comic book adaptations on TV I'm leaving the movies alone since they are huge blockbusters And almost always get covered in the new release wall anyway although for unrelated reasons, the Emerald City Video podcast is taking a hiatus from covering Marvel and Disney films. When I'm not podcasting about movies, with people who used to work at a video store, my real paying job is writing about comics and related media for comicbook.com. Up to now, I have kept a wall up between the two gigs, although it was pretty permeable. But as we near our 100th episode of Emerald City Video, I'm looking to roll out some new features and some fun new ideas for ECV. More on that in the weeks and months to come. I don't want to get too far ahead of it. Until recently, I had a podcast called Panel Discussions in which I talked about comics and related media with people who, believe it or not, never even worked at a video store. Crazy, I know. I recently shuttered that podcast. It was really just another thing that was costing me 15 bucks a month to host, and I didn't have the time to consistently update it. But since I still like talking about all that stuff, and sometimes I like talking about it in ways that are not conducive to how we write stories or what I'm assigned to cover at work, here I am. In keeping with things like the new release wall and the 5 for 5 episodes, I wanted to give this a veneer of the video store, creating a title for the feature that would resemble something you might actually find in a video store. So, the ECV spinner rack emerald city video as far as i know never actually had spinning magazine racks and did not carry comics although for a while j-lo perfido and i talked about bringing comic books into the store ultimately we decided against it because shortly after that we moved to Erie boulevard and we were two doors down from an actual comic book store cloud city comics and toys which is now in armory square in syracuse you should go visit them because they're great In the near future, one of the big changes that we're going to be rolling out is that we're going to have other co-hosts who haven't all worked for Emerald City Video in the past. When I do so, I will introduce them by asking where their home video store was, what the last time was that they were in a video store, and what their favorite video store memory is. That will give us all a point of commonality and community, even when they aren't people who actually worked or rented at ECV. Today's guest host is Michelle Curran the co-host of the Hashtag TV Geek podcast and the Krypton podcast. I met Michelle through another show I host, Archie Digest, a Riverdale podcast, and we've become friends in the couple of years since that show's been on the air. She has appeared on panel discussions in the past, discussing last year's Crisis on Earth X crossover event with me on the CW, and that, I believe, actually ran on Emerald City Video for a while, and then I pulled it down because it didn't fit into the episode count. Tonight will be another chance for Michelle and I to talk about the CW's shared DC Comics universe of shows, as we will be looking at DC's Legends of Tomorrow. Legends, which debuted its fourth season tonight, centers on a ragtag group of misfits and C-list superheroes who travel through time fixing things, breaking them, and then fixing fixing their own mistakes. After an underwhelming first season, which I actually didn't mind, and so you can see quotes from my review of the pilot used as examples on the show's Wikipedia page, The show found its groove by embracing the weird, fun energy that the characters and cast brought to the table naturally. Each season of Legends has been something of a soft reboot, and this year things are getting a bit... magical. At the end of Season 3, the Legends defeated Malice, a demon who had been trapped in a time prison. In order to have their final showdown with the demon, they needed to release him from the prison. But doing so opened the door for other beings and creatures who have now to be rounded up and sent back where they came from. To facilitate this, the team will be joined in the quest by John Constantine, played by Matt Ryan. Constantine is a demonologist and master of the mystic arts, or petty dabbler if you want to be really specific about it. Ryan's version first appeared on a self-titled NBC series that ran for a single season, before moving to the CW where he has made occasional appearances on Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow, as well as headlining an animated movie that was serialized and shown as short episodes on the web-based CW Seed Network. The movie, along with about a half hour of previously unseen footage, is available now on Blu-ray and DVD under the title Constantine, City of Demons. As I've always endeavored to do with Archie Digest, this segment is intended to be released immediately after Legends is premiered on the East Coast. So, spoilers ahead. Don't listen to us talk about the show until you've had a chance to see the episode. If you missed it, press pause now and wait until tomorrow when you can either buy it in your favorite video on-demand service or stream it on the CW's website. Without further ado, the first episode of the Emerald City Video Spinner Rack. Michelle, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Just uh, just watched a unicorn gore some folks.
1: <laughs> not quite, Not quite what you expect a unicorn to do.
0: That's true, although there is, uh, if you go to comicbook.com right now, uh, Nicole, who's one of the people who writes about the CW shows with me, did a pretty cool kind of deep dive into the mythology behind unicorns beyond just, you know, My Little Pony, mm-hmm. and uh, found some really interesting kind of winks and nods that the uh, the Legends people brought to this episode. So oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So that's she's going to be doing that for a bunch of the magical creatures this season. So at any point, if they do something and you're like, I don't know that creature very well, head over to comic book and, uh, and do that. Also, uh, just a, a quick spoiler for what's ahead in the coming weeks. Whatever episode it is where Ray Palmer gets turned into a pig, uh, which you've seen in the trailers,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, there is actually a Justice League Unlimited episode i can't remember what it's called but it's it's got it's got a like a three little piggies riff in the episode title and i'm going to be looking at that episode of the animated series and then uh comparing and contrasting the superheroes get turned into big's story from the cartoon to the one on legends
1: (laughs) nice very nice
0: Okay, so before we get too far into this, uh, the questions that I'm gonna be asking all of the non-Emerald City Video uh, employees, <laughs> who are, anybody who comes on who, who was not a former ECV employee or, or uh, customer. Uh, first of all, when was the last time you were actually in a video store?
1: Hmm, the last time I was in a video store. It probably, it's probably Blockbuster and it's probably a good eight or nine years ago. Uh,
0: that was, uh, I, th- I think for most people, I feel like the, the the feeling is that once Blockbuster was gone, the industry was just dead. And so it's interesting whenever I talk to people who've actually like still go places. Uh, oh
1: no, you know what, actually, we had a dollar video that hung in there for a long time. So I'm gonna say it was probably the dollar video, but it's okay. definitely like eight or nine years ago. Yeah. Yeah
0: uh and what was when you were uh when you were kind of in your formative years uh as a moviegoer what was your home video store
1: oh my home video store which actually ended up being my first job uh was captain video and kept
0: i was gonna say that that's a that's a chain i think and i i because i remember us talking about it ages ago
1: yeah it was a small chain not it was like um we had a bunch of stores in Westchester and Rockland and Rockland County in New York. Um, ours was actually the last one to close out of all of them. I think there was at one time like eight or nine of them um, but ours was sort of like the home base store. We, we mm-hmm. had the biggest store and um, we were the last one to close but yeah that was my my mom's friend worked there so we we used to go in there and then when I was old enough to get a job I was like, yeah, I want to work at the video store. Like, I love to watch movies. This is fantastic. Um, And I loved working there. It was great. I have so Uh, many good stories from that time. We've talked about some of this. That was
0: was the other thing, though. Is uh, do you have a a favorite kind of story that sticks out from your video store life?
1: Oh, gosh. (laughs) Hmm.
0: That you can actually talk about?
1: (laughs) <laughs> it's funny because my immediate thought process was we had an adult room and I went for the first story I always think of involves that room, but I'm not gonna tell that story. Um, probably the most entertaining thing that ever happened in the video store was when my co-worker and her boyfriend got into a fight about uh, Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> we had we had like a whole like we had sections in the video store. my my boss really liked having, Instead of just having like drama, comedy, right? You know, we had like an Oscar section and a musical section. It was very confusing to find a video. Like, people would be like, I'm trying to find this thing. And I'm like, oh, that's over in the Arnold Schwarzenegger section. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, but-, <laughs> but she had made this whole Sylvester Stallone section and I he got like mad at her and they got into like a huge fight and he like threw over like a candy rack. And Jeez. oh, yeah, it was. <laughs> It was like, a, I was like, are we really getting in a fight over? Okay. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, the standard, like, you know, people would come up and they're like, you know, they have three movies and they're like, which one of these should I rent? And I'm like, I don't want to be participate in that because when you come back in here and tell me that it, you didn't like it, then it's my fault. <laughs> 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 or, uh, you know, those people that would run in. And try to like return their video after we closed and you're like no like I'm counting the drawer like the computer's off I can't it's late yeah um I remember the funniest thing was always if like someone had never returned a video and they would come in that it cost like like a hundred and something dollars for the video and I always remember thinking why don't you just like ask them to pay like 20 bucks for it. Like what it would be if you were selling it on the, yeah. off the rack. It never made sense to me that like my boss would make these people pay like over a hundred dollars for it, but I'm sure there was some
0: well the, some the, logic
1: in that that I just didn't know. But the,
0: the reasoning behind it is that the, the, the versions that you could rent commercially were usually different than the versions that were sold commercially. And so like they would have different ads on them, which people are paying an ad rate for. And, and that's how, you know, but as a result you would get, it would cost like $90 to buy the licensed version that you were legally allowed to rent.
1: Mm, okay. And,
0: and so that was, that was one of the weird things that would happen was like you would, you know, you could go buy Titanic for 1299, but if you didn't return it to the video store, they wanted, you know, 60 bucks for it or whatever. And the reason was, it wasn't because they were just assholes, although that might've been part of it at some stores, <laughs> but it, it was literally that the the cost of the one that you were legally allowed to rent and exhibit for a while was, was higher. And I believe there was eventually a Supreme Court case that basically said, look, if you own the thing, you're allowed to do whatever you want with it as long as you're not breaking any copyright laws. And that led to rental cassettes going down in price to be more kind of commensurate with the the retail market but uh yeah. i could be misremembering the details of the case i know that there was that makes
1: no, sense no that makes sense yeah
0: there was at one point there was like three different like major cases about because for a long time studios just didn't want you to rent videos like they basically wanted people to pay ex- that that 90 dollars to own a video cassette and uh, that was obviously not a sustainable market, which is part of why video stores became a thing that existed. But then the studios responded by being like, no, but nowhere in the purchase agreement does it say that you can rent that because that's commercial use. And that that's the thing the FBI warning's about. And then people had to go to the Supreme Court and basically argue, no, that's a whole different thing. And this is our property that we own. So we're allowed to do what we want with it.
1: Hmm, interesting.
0: Yeah.
1: A fun um, fact, my, uh, my employee code that I use, yeah. um, I'm going to age myself right now 20 years ago when I worked, started working there, huh. uh, <laughs> is still a code I use today.
0: Nice. nice. Yeah. Am yeah, My uh, when I was, uh, when I was at Blockbuster, they made us change our passwords so often that it would be, it, it stopped being a thing where like I could have a password that was always meaningful. Although the, the thing that I used to do when I was at Emerald city, was I would just use uh, the store number for the blockbuster that I had worked at, because mm. it was just an easy five digit code that I could remember. Yeah. Well, that's
1: what's funny about mine is like whenever people see it, um, obviously I won't say it because I use it for like my pin number on my debit card. But like people are like, what is that number? Because most people use like a date of birth or something yeah, yeah. or an anniversary. And I'm like, oh, it's my my Captain Video employee code. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, <nice. what? laughs> Yeah. So I, uh-huh. I carry a little bit of captain video with me every day.
0: Yeah, I still have my <laughs> uh I still have the uh the Blockbuster rewards through that little key fob thing. Oh,
1: oh yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, I still have that. It it has made the transition. And no, actually it hasn't made the transition to new keys cuz that's that's the funny thing. I have a keychain that I've had since like 1999. And um I lost it at one point and Shortly thereafter, somebody found my lost keys and returned them to me by using my like uh either my blockbuster card or my topp's grocery store card. Like they called somebody and were like, hey, whose keys are these?
1: Oh, that's funny.
0: All right. So we should start talking <laughs> about legends. Because yes, that's well, let's the best that. thing. Legends, I, I always liked Legends. Even when it was not the best show on TV, uh it it was a, a thing that appealed to my sensibilities in terms of the lovable losers uh, I really liked the pilot, which I know not everybody does, but I really liked the pilot because I liked the misdirect of the fund like of the the kind of acidly backhanded, reason for the legends being called the legends, which is that they were essentially sold a bill of goods and told they were going to be incredibly important people in the future. (laughs) And then when they find out that they're nobodies and that they're historical cannon fodder who can die and never change anything, uh, that motivated them essentially to be better superheroes. And, uh, so I've always kind of, I've, I've liked the underdog elements of legends, even when the show wasn't at its best, but the last couple of years, uh, at least for me I feel like Legends of Tomorrow has been the most enjoyable and often the best superhero show on TV.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, it's funny, season 1 when I when I think back on season 1 there was definitely things that were good about it. I mean, I I watched the whole thing. So it's not like, oh, it was so terrible that I stopped watching it. Um, you know, it definitely had a likability to it. It was for me I think the overall story arc was just not that great. I didn't really love the Hawks and and like all of that stuff, but um, I and liked it- all the characters. You know, I liked Sarah and Ray mm-hmm. and you know Mick and um, Captain Cold. Like, I liked all those people and their interactions and how they they got on. It was just like that larger story arc that wasn't so wasn't the greatest to me. So when when that ended, I was like, okay, I'm cool. You know, like let's move on to the next thing. Yeah, um, and it and it's uh it's funny, I. I actually tweeted this a little earlier is that Legends seems to be this show. Like if you had told me during season one that, you know, we'd be here season four and I'd be praising the season four premiere as like the greatest thing on the CW, I would have laughed in your face. Um, But it's just every year. I think it just, it just levels up, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. they seem to be the only show I think. um, And I, I, when I talk about the Arrowverse, I don't include black lightning because technically it's not right. Um, But, uh, it seems to be the only show in the Arrowverse that's able every season to kind of step back, look at the show as a whole, say what, what worked, what didn't work, and remove what didn't work, and and really tr- sort of change it into something better. And yeah. I think each season has gotten better. Like, season two was great. Season three was outstanding. And, I mean, this premiere episode for season four was like so awesome so I'm just like all right we're on the right path you know
0: yeah and I I think uh, and I I tweeted about this earlier today but I I think that the season four premiere is the best premiere so far Uh, one of the things that I think is interesting is that in seasons two and three both uh, I thought they had solid premieres but the premiere like it wasn't my favorite of the Arrowverse premieres there was always some other show that got off to just a lightning in a bottle kind of start and you're just like, oh man, like they really are poised to be the show to beat this season. Uh, but then, as the season went on, Legends or Legends just got better and better and better. And this year, I look at it and it was like Legends has, like to me, just objectively the the best premiere of the, the Arrowverse shows. Uh, and it's funny because of course I end up in this kind of semantic argument, same as you were talking about with Black Lightning, because Black Lightning is it's a fantastic show in a totally different way than legends is. Uh, you know, I, I, basically black lightning is an art house movie and, uh, legends of tomorrow is a Marvel movie like goofy, fun, uh, nonstop action doesn't necessarily ask you to turn your brain on all that often. Uh, and, and, like, just broadly appealing. Uh, I, I think that, you know, one of the the things that's really a shame about the fact that it came out of the gate slow is that a lot of people left Legends after season one and haven't come back. And it's just like, yeah, this is so much a better show than it ever was when it was the most anticipated show in the history of the CW.
1: Yeah, I have this conversation with people a lot because they'll see my tweets and they'll say like, Oh, I stopped watching that show. And I'm like, no, come back. I swear. It's really good. Like I promise you won't be disappointed. And they're like, ah, eh, you know, so I always try to get people to come back to it. Cause it really is, you know, for me, it's one of my favorites. And what's funny about it is it, um, on paper, it should be something that I hate. Like mm-hmm. everything about it is something that I generally don't enjoy. Yeah. Um, like, and, it's funny because I love it. Like it just just does what it does so well. Like they seem to know, like some of the things that happen on this show, on any other show, it would be terrible. It would just be like overdone, ridiculous and over the top, but for whatever reason and for with these characters specifically, like it just always, it always fits. It always feels right. Um, and I think that's the thing I enjoy a lot about it is it's it's taken something that I wouldn't necessarily like and made me like it.
0: Yeah, that's and it's also very good at knowing knowing exactly how seriously it should take itself. Uh, it that's not to say that it never takes itself seriously and that you never because there there are some moments of genuinely good drama. Oh, I absolutely, yeah. One of the most emotionally effective Arrowverse deaths was the big legends death that happened during crisis last year, which then had a ripple effect for like three episodes. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh,
0: So it is, it's, it's not like this is like just a dopey, like Batman 66 kind of show where you can ignore everything, turn your brain off and have fun. Like you can, but it's also a show that gives you thoughtful things, uh, you know, but I, I think that, in the Within the context of the Arrowverse, one of the big problems that uh, Supergirl, Arrow, and the Flash all have, to varying degrees and at different times, is that they just take themselves so very seriously. Uh, and it's just, it feels like a lot of the time with superhero stuff, if it takes itself so seriously, the material or the craft or something has to be elevated enough to justify it. Like it's one thing if you're making Watchmen or you're making, you know, even Man of Steel and you're saying, okay, well, I'm going to take this super seriously. It's another thing if you're making, you know, the Incredible Hulk and you're like, I'm going to take this super (laughs) seriously and and have no fun with it. It's like there, there, there are there's a balance you have to find between where you can have the heart and where you can find the humor. And it's funny because uh, one of the things I think Legends does really effectively, and you kind of got to this a little bit, is that it seems to self-evaluate every year. And it, it, it kind of does a soft reboot every year where there's a, a, a tweaked premise. And when you look at The Flash, the first season of The Flash is by most people who, who talk about this stuff, considered arguably the best like single season of a comic book TV show that's ever been made. Cause it was, there were very few duds. It was a really cohesive story. There was a nice twist. It had everything you want in a season of TV. Um, and I would compare the first season of, uh, of The Flash to like the first season of How I Met Your Mother Or the first season of The West Wing, in terms of there are certain things where it's like you're not guaranteed another season. So write this like a novel and do a great job, and then hope that enough people find you that you get to continue. And The Flash has never recaptured that lightning in a bottle. Uh, You know, ignore the lightning puns; that was not purpose. (laughs) But like The Flash has never, and again, like The Flash is not a bad show but they've never equaled what they did in season one. And to me, like legends exceeds itself every year. Whereas all of the other shows eventually get into diminishing returns. And I think it's because legends is much more willing to kind of take a hard look at itself and be like, okay, what's not working.
1: Right. And
0: all of the other, like you can look at the the season premiere of flash this year and they did Like they had a lot of things where it was like, we're going to make a wink and a nod at the fact that like this thing didn't really work last year and we're fixing it. But like, they don't just excise it and move on. They're like, no, no, it's a project. Now we're going to fix it. It'll be fun. And, (laughs) and you're just kind of like, if this was legends, that would just be gone Yeah. or, you know? uh. So, so yeah, it's, it's, I think one of the things that's really interesting is that you don't in Legends have anybody who carries the whole show on their shoulders. You know, uh right. with Arrow Flash, Supergirl, the nature of their shows is even though they're ensembles, if Steven, Grant, or Melissa didn't work, the show doesn't work. And right. And so to me, like, one of the things that's really interesting is that because Legends is the island of misfit toys, you don't have anybody on this show who, like, I I think that the idea the writers have is they're here because they weren't strong enough as an individual character to support a spinoff. And so nobody is going to be saddled with the responsibility of appearing in every scene.
1: yeah and and it uh what I, what I think is great too is like they always manage to um you know even if it's if it's by chance or like the actor wanting to leave or something like they're not afraid to let something go or let someone go and you know bring somebody else in. you know the team rotates, and that's something that I appreciate about it. You know, we still have you know obviously Sarah and Ray and and Mick have been here from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, the other ones have, have come in and and come out. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I think that that works really well for what they're trying to do.
0: Yeah. And I think too, that, uh, I have always, and, and, you know, obviously, uh, Firestorm didn't get a happily ever after, uh, which is, I would argue one of the only things that I really like, as much as I loved the way they handled that, death i i would almost have preferred it be a happily ever after because it just narratively it would have been more satisfying um but in any event like one of the things that i do like is that they aren't scared of just sending characters away like one of the things about serialized storytelling and it's 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 definitely pronounced with superheroes because they have powers and with great power comes great responsibility uh but i think it's true across mm-hmm. most shows is that once somebody has been important to the show they are loath to just send them off into the world to be like oh that person lived happily ever after yay uh whereas in legends it's like we have jacks out there we have the hawks out there we have uh a vixen out there and these are characters that as far as I know, there's no plan to bring them back. It's just, they got there happily ever after go now in peace. Right. And I I actually really like that. Um, I, you know, one of my favorite single issues of comics of the last 10, 20 years was when Jeff Johns decided he was bringing Barry back. There was a, there was a single issue of a story where they ended the volume of the flash that had started after crisis where wally was the main character and in the story wally decides to retire stop being a superhero and move to the future with his wife and children so that they can just live happily ever after because now that there's another flash the world doesn't really need him and i i liked that idea like it's serial in serialized storytelling you become incredibly invested in these characters you know these you're following the same people for years at a time it's not like a movie where it's just you know you want the best possible arc for two hours uh i i would like to see more characters on tv and especially in superhero fiction go and not like not have to die or turn evil or any other kind of weird contrived thing but just like oh you don't want to be here great happily ever after have a nice one (laughs) <laughs> um, and granted like you can't do that every time uh, but I, I do like I like that and I like the fact that Legends isn't afraid to just be like yeah we don't actually need you right now and you know when you look at I mean with uh, with Vixen it's, it's a little bit different because she's essentially forced to go back in time to fulfill a role and we probably will get some follow up on how that works at some point in the future but With some of these other characters, it's literally like you had your character arc, you got to the end of the rainbow, you found the pot of gold, and now you don't need to be on the wave rider anymore, you know?
1: Yeah, I think too why that works on Legends and and maybe doesn't so much on other shows is because they play with time so much. You can send someone off and it's like, you know, oh, well, we're not in their time anymore. So we just don't see them. Yeah. You know, um, like in the finale last year when Jack showed up and, you know, he has a wedding ring on and he says something about having a baby. And they're like, what do you mean? It's only been a couple months. And he's like, well, for you guys, it's only been a couple months. But for me, it's been five years. Yeah. You know, that's something that works on that show that doesn't necessarily work on, you know, Supergirl or The Flash or Arrow because it's it's a linear story.
0: I mean, it, it works to a certain extent on Arrow right. because of the flashbacks and flash forwards. Right. But that's a whole other kind of separate conversation.
1: Right. Um, but for the most part, I feel like it's just easier with Legends because you kind of like you get this idea of like you don't really know what time they're specifically in. Like when they're on the ship, they're not really in any particular time period.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, they're they're like hanging out in the whatever the zone is. I can't. I can never remember what I they're know, the temporal zone. The temporal zone. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: So they're like, not really in any particular time. So it's like, you know, if they don't show up where it's, you know, people get, I'm one of these people I'm guilty of getting caught up with, you know, like, well, why isn't so-and-so here? This is a big event. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, they don't have to get caught up in that. Cause it's like, well, who knows where the hell they are, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> you
0: and, know, so and, it's
1: not like, Oh, so somebody got married and you guys didn't show up. It's like, Oh, well, I was in, you know, 1945. So yeah. you know, I didn't, yeah. I didn't know.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a thing too, that, um they've they've also altered time so much on this show that like when people are like, How come they're not coming to the crossover? I'm like, Well, because God knows if they're actually still on Earth One in any meaningful way.
1: Like <laughs> right.
0: I mean, in the legends version of 2018, the Time Bureau's in charge of everything and there was like dinosaurs in New York, and like I, I feel like that would have been mentioned if it was happening right. on the flash.
1: <laughs> right. like,
0: I like, I don't know what they're, they're in their own as much as, yes, they are interconnected with the other shows and they will acknowledge each other from time to time and they can borrow. And, but it's like, yeah, they, they, for all intents and purposes, Legends is in its own kind of pocket universe. And I do kind of feel like the success of that uh, and the success of black lightning speak to the fact that as much fun as the shared universe is for fans it is easier to create a good product if you're not worrying about that shit all the time.
1: Yeah. You uh, know, it's funny, I was actually thinking about this earlier today before we were recording. I was thinking about when these shows end, right? And I'm like, how do you end, you know, for example, not particularly Supergirl, cause she's on another earth, but like the right. Flash or Arrow, how do they end without each other? Without you know, murdering everyone. <laughs>
0: like <laughs> Honestly, what I was thinking, uh, especially with, with the crisis thing going on in the Flash right now, uh, if they wanted to end one show or the other, they could make a crossover at the end of next year that would be Crisis on Infinite Earths or the, the CW's version of Crisis on Infinite Earths. And... Yes, you could kill off Barry like they did in the comics and like the newspaper has been hinting they would do since the pilot. Uh, And then if they did that and the Flash was to end, then you could end it on a hopeful note by sending back like XS or Bart Allen or John Fox or any of the characters who like, hey, look, another speedster came. You get a new beginning, da-da-da. But the other thing that I feel like is almost more likely is – everything started with Oliver. Like Oliver is the Genesis point for this universe and arrow to me, like because of ratings, because of everything like arrow feels like the one that's going to end first. Right. And so to me, like it wouldn't shock me if crisis happens and learning about everything that is to come, Oliver takes the hit for Barry and somehow sacrifices himself to save the flash and thus save the multiverse. Uh, Again, Hmm. it, 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 this is me like projecting out like how I would do it. Right. But now that we've made Barry's death, a canonical part of the story. Uh, it would not surprise me at all to have Oliver be the one to step in and be like, that is not acceptable. You have a baby. This isn't happening. Uh, and and I don't know how that would work because again, like I don't know how they would do Crisis in the world of this. But I do kind of feel like you could very easily have the Flash's version of Crisis be where the history books say Here's what happens in Crisis. The whole multiverse gets collapsed down to just one universe and Barry dies. And for our people to be like, that's not cool at all. No. And for something to happen so that Barry gets to live, Oliver or someone else were to die, and, like, the multiverse continues on. Uh, And that, I guess, is kind of the thing, too, is, like, you could theoretically, you could, and, and with The Flash, honestly, if it's me, I would do what both Barry and Wally did in the comics. I would just get to the point where you're just like, I've got kids. You guys have got this handled. I'm going to go to the future and like live a life where they don't realize that the flash is still a thing. Like just go raise my family, hang out in the 30th century, help the Legion <laughs> if it needs it, you know? Yeah. Um, and again, like, sorry, the-
1: I can't I made us go out on tangents. That,
0: no, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Um, it, it's, it is, it's a thing I thought about too. And I the, the Oliver like sacrificing himself thing was something that I thought of about a week and a half ago in response to some reader question on comic book. And I can't remember what the question was, but I was like, Oh, you could do that. Um, but yeah, uh, the legends premiere is also nice because it brings us back, uh, Matt Ryan. Um,
1: Oh, I love him so much.
0: Yeah. Matt plays John Constantine, who is a uh, master of the mystic arts, uh, or or depending on who you ask, a petty dabbler in the mystic arts. <laughs> uh, but uh, he had his own show. Uh, I talked about this in the introduction, but he had his own show for a season on NBC, and then he's been in the Arrowverse for a while now. He's actually responsible for Sarah Lance still being alive in spite of the fact that she died a couple times. Uh, And so the fact that they turn to him is not surprising because he's a serious regular now. But I I do like the dynamic they're building up with John where he's helping because he has to, but he doesn't particularly want to be part of a time-traveling group of superheroes on a spaceship.
1: He brings such an interesting dynamic to them I mean he he's so great he has chemistry with everyone screen chemistry you know like just every interaction he has is is fun um sometimes funny sometimes not but I like the possibilities that he brings and I again you know I feel like Legends is really the only show that you could do this kind of stuff with like even on Arrow, you know, sort of introducing those mystical or magical elements felt a little weird because Arrow has always been a very like rooted in real life type of show. Um, But on Legends, you know, we had giant fluffy Bebo last year. So, you know, dragon heads and magical unicorns and things like that. Just it's kind of par for the course over here. Um, And I, I'm someone who likes the supernatural. I love, I love that kind of stuff. Um, And, uh, so, so it's cool to me to kind of have that, that, those options available in this and to see, see how, that, how that plays out throughout the season.
0: The funny thing is in comics, I often don't like the supernatural. Like I, 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 part of it is just that bad writers use the supernatural in lazy ways that makes me frustrated. You, you often have people for whom it's like, oh, but there's magic involved. So at the end, we'll just, there's a spell and it fixes everything. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm often like, I don't love the mix of superheroes and magic. A lot of the time uh, this show makes it work. And I think part of it is because of the fact that this show has always been like chasing the weird, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, it's not, it's not a regular superhero show. It doesn't operate on regular superhero rules. You're never like, it's funny. Uh, my father-in-law for whatever reason, um, he just refuses to watch TV shows like in, in general won't watch television. Like he watches bunches of movies and he'll watch a bunch of like web series. He watches those like watch mojo trivia things and music videos and all that just won't, won't get into television ever. And so like I showed him the trailer for legends season four the other day because that trailer is just like bananas and he was just like, oh, man, I hope they make a movie out of this. And I'm just like, I don't know how they would make a movie out of Legends. Like, Legends is so perfectly suited to the format that it's in. Uh, I, I don't know that you could make a movie of this group and have it be meaningful.
1: <clears throat> yeah, you know, it's it's funny because there are just some things that are are better off told in a longer format than than that two and a half hours so i mean legends is absolutely like i yeah when you said it i'm thinking like yeah what what would that movie look like (laughs) It just i just think it wouldn't be very good or it would just be weird
0: yeah and i mean one of the things is you could absolutely do a movie set in the arrowverse about the legends like you could use their established backstory and their established relationships to make an oversized, like a trilogy of episodes that come together to be a two hour movie. And that would, you could make that very good, very easily. However, that doesn't translate one-to-one to to being able to make a movie where you need to like explain who these people are and what the premise is and speak to people who haven't watched the first 30 episodes of legends. Right. So the uh, the pilot itself. Uh, any any special thoughts on the pilot? Uh, we we've kind of we've talked a lot about legends in general instead of actually talking about the episode of the.
1: <laughs> um, hmm. I mean, there were so many. I love all of the little like all the little meta things that they always do, like when they were talking about the ratings. Yeah. <laughs> like um, and they when they mentioned like everybody loves Supernatural.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um those things i really liked i'm trying to think of specifics i love that they took woodstock and made it a massacre yeah i was like you took like the most peaceful event in our history and made it made it a massacre that's fantastic
0: i always love uh this goes back to bebo last year uh when ava said something about bebo and uh, they were like wait what and then she was like, "Yep, never felt right." No, oh, uh, yeah,
1: oh yeah, the, it was like Christmas. It wasn't, yeah, like, it was, it, it wasn't it, it, Christmas it, it, anymore. It was like Bebo something, yeah,
0: Bebo Day, Bebo
1: Day I mean, or whatever. But, but it was
0: just like it's one of those like I always love when they come out of the time stream not knowing that something is broken, and then all of a sudden it's like they're having a conversation with somebody who just assumes that they know like the basic history of the world they live in, and they don't uh so you have like you know the the great bit with tom wilson in this episode where he's like i know you hate hippies and he's like i have nothing but i have nothing but sympathy for those people
1: (laughs) 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 and they're like what oh crap we gotta go (laughs) yeah there's also something so amazing to me about the fact that biff is his dad oh yeah i'm just (laughs) like every time he comes on screen i'm like it's biff
0: (laughs) and the thing of it is i feel like legends It's very much the heir apparent to that kind of time travel story. End of the day, the rules only matter if they matter for the story. And a lot of the time, (laughs) that's the kind of thing that would just annoy the shit out of me because it makes the whole thing feel like like it doesn't matter. But in the case of both Back to the Future and Legends, it, it just fits. It fits the way that they're telling the story. It fits the characters. And you're just like, yeah, I don't like. I don't want to get bogged down in idiotic minutiae of how everything works on Legends. Right.
1: I feel like they do a good job, sort of explaining it um, in the in the sense that, like, Wally actually was used it in the Flash in the premiere episode when he was saying, you know, certain events are are what they are, and you cannot change them, and other things you have like leeway with. Um, kind of like in this episode where, you know, like Zari was, you know, she goes to see herself and her mom and she's like, I know there are certain things that I can't change because yeah. it fundamentally will change history. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like they do enough explaining that like when it's kind of not making sense, you're like, ah, oh, whatever. It's not like really big, really a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And yeah, like you said, they also don't try to explain it all the time, which I actually think makes it worse. Like they do did a lot of that on the flash where they're trying to explain it to you and you're like, what? And it doesn't make any sense because they keep changing it. And it's like, I'd actually rather you just not try to explain this.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Then like over explain it.
0: And like you get, you get weird things too. um, not to pick on the flash, but uh, you get weird things too, where it's like, you can't go back in time. God, I can't remember what it was. There was something last season where it was like, no, you can't go back to yesterday and fix a mistake you made because th- it's going to break too much stuff. And it's like, really? Because the <laughs> first time we ever saw him time travel, it was to save an entire city that got blown up. And it sure seems like that would have had long-term <laughs> impacts that you right. would break. Like, Yeah, like you know not for nothing but I I do distinctly remember watching like Oliver and Felicity get swallowed up by flame and I I feel like that's the kind of thing that you know I I, I would remember if (laughs) like that would have an impact on reality like Oliver and Felicity do lots of things Uh, if Felicity dies at in in a giant tidal wave or whatever the hell it was then she doesn't have a chance to nuke a small town later and then (laughs) like (laughs) <laughs> and and so it is one it but it's one of those things where you're just like yeah. like nobody was asking for this over explanation but as soon as you over explain it
1: now i'm gonna nitpick it yeah. now it's
0: like wait but but that didn't work last year like right,
1: right. so i feel like legends does it great because they're just like kind of explain it and then just like let it go
0: yeah they, they <laughs> give you like the the broad strokes of like here's what here's what the rules are here's what we can and can't do and then like you have to figure out like you have to basically no prize yourself. You have to go in and be like, okay, so, given what I know about how time travel works in this show, how does this episode make sense? <laughs> right. And Like, if you want to know, just figure it out because we're right. not going to sit. Here <laughs>
1: we're not going to sit here and explain it to you. you. Yeah. Uh,
0: and 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 I, I like that, and I like you know, and again, I, I like the fact that they they exist outside of time. So, that you get things where it's just like, oh, shit happened out there and it doesn't affect us in here. I like fun, dopey things like how it, in the ET episode last year, Ray suddenly dies uh, or disappears from existence. And then, like, when they go back to fix it, it's like he's back because apparently, if you go back to the day before he's killed at age 10, then, like, 40 year old ray still exists until that time tomorrow when i die like right. i'm like right. that doesn't hold up to scrutiny at all but like <sighs> it, that, that's fine because it's, it's legends. fine yeah, it doesn't legends yeah. it works um but yeah the uh I, I i do like the the new episode like i, I like the idea of making I like the, the fact that they, they found a, a reason that again, like it doesn't really hold up to a ton of scrutiny, but it doesn't matter because it's legends, but they, they found a reason why you can have like these fairy tale creatures and things. And it's basically just because all the shit we've done has broken the walls between fiction and reality. And now things are creeping in from essentially the dream world that shouldn't be. And uh, what's really interesting about that to me is that it kind of feeds into this narrative from the comics where uh, Barry Allen became the Flash because he read comic books about Jay Garrick. And so when he got a similar power set, he was like, well, I'll be the Flash. And, uh, And when you found out that Jay Garrick was a real guy later, it was like, oh, well, the walls between our realities are thin. And so this idea seeped into your world and somebody willed it into being basically. Right. And, uh, and I'm just like, Oh, that actually like as much as it doesn't make any kind of logical sense, it makes total comic book sense in the way that they explain how, like now we've got fairies and unicorns and right. Whatever else we've got coming up in the next few weeks.
1: There is a, (laughs) there's an episode of supernatural in, um, I don't know. I want to say season 9, but I can't. I'm not really sure. <laughs> it's been 14 years. <laughs> yeah, um, it's impossible to tell it's anymore. It's impossible to really figure remember, but there's there was a an episode in which that was that was what the what they were fighting was this mythical creature that like basically because you believed it existed, it came to life. Um and that was cool. It was this like this idea that like just because you think of it it, it becomes reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I like that legends is getting to play with that idea as well. It's, it's an interesting thought process of like, it's, it's that idea of belief, you know, it's like people who believe in religion or, yeah. or you know, because you believe in it, it, it makes this thing true. Um, and so being able to like, make that like a unicorn or, yeah. you know, flying pigs or whatever, um, you know, that's like a, an interesting concept. Yeah.
0: Uh- is there something that you really hope they get to this season?
1: Hmm. You know, it's funny with Legends because it's it always sort of never disappoints me. I also don't ever really have an expectation for it, which is nice, because I feel like the other shows I have expectations for, and then I ultimately usually get disappointed. Um, I'm trying to think if there's something
0: It's funny because, for a long time, I
1: think I don't know
0: <laughs> what I was saying back when it was like, Oh, we're bringing fictional characters into the world is uh, I don't think this will happen anymore because it's too close to else worlds, like it's too close to what's going on in the crossover because my my like fantasy thing that I was like, this needs to happen is they meet Robin Hood and he looks just like Oliver Queen oh like have yeah. Steven come for an episode to be actually Robin hood with the dopey Van Dyke beard and the hat and everything. <laughs> but now that like, now that Le- or now that Elseworlds is happening and it's like, we have at least like, it, it, as far as we know, there's at least two different Superman costumes. There's Oliver and Barry changing at least costumes, possibly personalities, maybe even like lives. And then there's uh, the thing that we saw today, John Wesley Shipp returning to play The Flash in his 1990 TV show costume, uh, which uh, is, is amazing because to me, I've never been a big Batman guy. And so when I was a kid, I remember The Flash TV show was my like real intro to live action superheroes. Cause like the 66 Batman show was always too silly for me. Even when I was a kid, the 1989 Batman movie was good, but it was Batman. So I didn't, didn't really care. And then the you old know, you
1: you just crush my heart. Every time you say you don't care about Batman.
0: Well, it's a <laughs> I mean, I like him better now, but as a kid, I just gave no, no fucks, you know? Um, but And, and like when you're that, when I was that age, I don't think, I mean, Lois and Clark obviously didn't exist yet because uh, that came after, but also like, yeah, I would watch like the George Reeves Superman show on, uh, on Nick at night or whatever, but that wasn't really a superhero show in any meaningful way because it was like Superman, like he was just, he was just invincible. Like, he yeah. didn't have any powers to speak of. He flew, but it didn't have any bearing on the story. It was basically just like he did that instead of driving. Um, and I mean, don't get me wrong, I enjoy that show, but and and I think he was a great Clark Kent and a pretty good Superman, but it, it's a like, different
1: type of show. Exactly. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like, I understand what you're saying.
0: Uh, John Ship's The Flash was my first superhero show in the way that I think of superhero shows when I was ten. And so to me, it's like, I I love seeing him in there, but I do think that like, once you've spent basically a whole bunch of time in December, putting Barry and Oliver in wacky costumes, it probably precludes the idea of having Steven come over to Legends to be uh, Robin Hood just for a joke.
1: Yeah, probably unfortunately that would be really cool
0: yeah that was one, like that was the only one that i really was thinking like because again i'm kind of like you it's like i try very hard and I, I try hard not to have expectations of any of the shows because uh it's it's just it's going to enhance your viewing experience if you don't you right know? uh i'm having i'm really struggling this year with supergirl because when i was a kid i liked agent oh. liberty like <laughs> it's a character that i liked from an artist i care about and holy crap, like, it's like, I tend to get really frustrated with the people who are just like, it's not like the comics, so it's awful, uh, because they're missing the point. Like, y- you can't just film the comics for right. a variety of reasons.
1: But sometimes it's so off the mark that yeah. it's sort of offensive.
0: <laughs> and that's really what, like, it's like, I don't understand why, and I, I think the, the the only reason why is because, A, Agent Liberty in the comics has historically been depicted as conservative. And B, so so many people on the far right have tried to essentially hijack the word liberty to mean what they want it to mean instead of what it actually means. And so I think that it's one of those those things where it's just the name. Like they wanted the name. They didn't want anything else. Nobody was ever going to use Agent Liberty on TV or movies, and so they got a clean shot and took it. Uh, But it's like, ugh, I just, I have a really hard time with that because I, I, and I I, like, I want to like Supergirl, and I really like the people involved with Supergirl. uh, But, but it's just, it's one of those things where I just, that's the first one in a while. I actually can't think of another character in the Arrowverse that. I looked at and said, wow, they really butchered that guy. Um, there probably are one or two, but I just thought.
1: Rachel Ghoul.
0: <laughs> even, I mean, even Rachel Ghoul, <laughs> like, here's the thing Rachel Ghoul is known for the five best stories that were ever told, but he's an overused villain who's been in 50 stories, and most of them aren't very good. Um, I think that Matt Nable was not the right person to play him, but I do think that they got the tone of Rachel Ghoul right. It was just not a good story. And so it, it, as much as like, I don't love what they did with him. I don't think that they butchered that character, like, because they, they, they knew what they were going for and what they were going for was not that far off the mark. Um, it just didn't land.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I it's not, not in the way that you mean in terms of like agent Liberty on Supergirl, I just, without going down a rabbit hole, there are, no, many, no, there are many things that happened in that season that are were just very like, really?
0: Yeah. That's yeah.
1: not okay. Um, particularly yeah, I, towards the end.
0: Um, I actually, once yeah. upon a time, I did a panel discussions episode where I basically posited that uh, after that season that Arrow was beyond redemption. <laughs> and uh, I, I eventually deleted it Uh, not for, like, work reasons, not because I was worried about getting in trouble, per se, but because, like, in Season 5, I was just wrong. Like, Season 5 was a genuinely good season of television that uh, really surprised me that they were able to bounce back that strong. Uh, And uh, so far, two episodes in 7 is very good as well, which two episodes is not really enough to judge, but considering that in 6, I was already turned off by this point, uh, it, it seems like things are... Trending in the direction that you want them to. Hmm. That's Uh, good to know. I still do not like. uh, I I don't like Ricardo Diaz. Who's the the big bad for the last two seasons. And I don't like him for a lot of the same reasons. I don't like uh, Hiram Lodge. Which is. uh, He's just a character type that I don't like. Like the idea of the guy who no matter what you do. And no matter how you plan. He's always just seven steps ahead of you. And I'm like. This, this guy is literally like a chessboard metaphor away from being a cardboard cutout. Uh, but end of the day, that's fine because like the reason those archetypes exist is because people do respond to them. It's just not for me. Right. Um, well, what's
1: funny is I feel like um, what we're, what we were saying about Legends before and what the other shows don't do is like Legends isn't afraid to let go of someone. And Arrow and the Flash, uh, not Supergirl so much, but Arrow and the Flash particularly like can't let go of these characters. Oh, yeah. Like And it's like it's this person worked for one season, just it's okay for them not to be here again. Like yeah. I made that argument about Mal- Malcolm Merlin a lot, and I was like, I love him. Like I loved yeah. him. I absolutely love John Barrowman. He's amazing. I loved Malcolm Merlin, but he overstayed his welcome to a point where you were like this character doesn't need to be here anymore. Stop making shit up for him to do.
0: Yeah. Well, and one of the things that really was problematic with Malcolm, and this is a thing you see a lot is we don't have a Superman show. We do not have a, I mean, to a certain extent we have Supergirl, but even she functions differently. We don't have a show with a zero kill count. Like these heroes kill the villains either on purpose or accidentally often. You know? Right. And with a guy like Merlin, you, you you butt up with you butt up against the problem of there's no reason to keep him alive. Like you got to the point in season four, I think, when he, he killed Sarah and like brainwashed Thea to do it. And it was just like you just as that season unfolded, it was like every new layer of the onion was like, this guy is the worst. Like there is no redeeming quality to him whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, the redeeming quality being he loves his daughter isn't enough. Yeah, no. And so to me, like every, every week that he was drawing breath, every person that he victimized after a certain point was just because Team Arrow continued to allow him to do it because they were like, well he's he's Thea's dad. We can't we can't do that. And <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: it's just like, I'm sorry, like if you don't want to kill him and you're worried he's gonna compromise your identity, give him to Barry. Like, he's got a pipeline full of lunatics in there. Uh and and you know, granted he doesn't anymore, but back then he did. Right. And and so to me it was like Villains become problematic, especially like there are supporting characters and other heroes and stuff that sometimes outstay their welcome to. But villains villains become especially problematic because there does come a point where no, like the fact that you haven't killed him or done something more serious to take him off the board means that you are complicit in whatever crazy ass thing he does next. Right. And like that, that's a rabbit hole argument in and of itself because like you don't want to get into the whole thing of like, well, everything the Joker does is Batman's fault because he didn't kill him. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but part of the part of the thing about TV is that because we see things in you know kind of four dimensions, and you, you like you you see the victims responding to being killed. Like none of this is none of this is like you know a panel that's soundless and bloodless. And there's just a pile of bodies. Like there's always victims in the show. And so it's like, it's it's an entirely different thing than the comics to just go, oh yeah, right. Like Malcolm is continually doing horrible things to innocent people. And we continue to allow him to survive even though we killed off like random hedge fund douchebag in season one. Right. Um and and again like that that's that whole conversation was a bit of a, a digression as well but right. but i agree with you in the sense that like when when uh when vandal savage didn't work they killed him they didn't bring him back it's over right when the hawks weren't working hey you guys get to go live happily ever after even though clearly that wasn't the original design because we were building up this love triangle with ray uh, you know, and, and even with Vixen, where it's like, we're going to bring back Maisie Richardson Sellers, but we're going to give her a new character and do wacky Legends-ness with it. Uh, it, It's like, can you imagine a scenario where Arrow willingly let go of a character like Vixen? Like, just imagine a scenario where Arrow was just like, you know what? Wild dog's not working. Let's get rid of him. Like it wouldn't happen. It just, it yeah. doesn't. Uh, and that's not to pick on him particularly. Cause I think Rick Gonzalez is a good actor. Uh, but like I was picking a name out of a hat.
1: Right. Um, well, what, what, what's funny about legends though too. And what I feel like they did well is they took a character that was very polarizing on arrow, mm-hmm. Malcolm, um, Damien dark. Yeah. And They brought him over to Legends. And while I didn't particularly love those three in Season 2, the, like, three bad guys, I I didn't wholly love that story. Um, In Season 3, they actually redeemed him to a point where, like, he was still evil, but they made the, like, love of the daughter thing believable. Yeah. And, like, had him sacrifice himself for her.
0: I I would also add part of the reason that I don't like characters like Diaz and Hiram is because they're just no fun. Like, right. They aren't characters you love to hate. They're just characters you hate. Right. And that's how Damien dark was when they got, when they killed him on arrow, it was like, Oh, thank God he's gone. And when they decided to bring him back for legends, it was like, Oh, this could go really, really poorly. And, but it didn't because legends immediately made him fun. Right. And they successfully leaned into
1: like the ridiculousness of it.
0: Right. Well, and and, I mean, I think that first of all, I think that his over the top, like Gene Hackman inspired performance always was going to be served by making him a character you love to hate instead of just making him dangerous. Like, I think that having him be a straightforward villain was a miscalculation on Arrow's part
1: Hmm.
0: uh, because I think that he was so campy that he needed to be, like, he needed to be larger than life, and they didn't have room in that season for him to be larger than life because there was all that other shit going on. Um, but so I think that was a miscalculation on Arrow's part, that it was just like, no, he's not actually menacing. The way that Neil McDonough was playing the character, like, he has to be, like, he has to be, like, a character that you love to hate because otherwise he's just annoying uh and and i think legends recognized that and was just like no let's play to the strengths of neil mcdonough instead of trying to fold his performance into what our preconceptions were before he showed up
1: right and i mean they made him funny like right. there were like legitimate times during that season where i was laughing at him and i'm like god i hated him like i was so mad that this character was coming back yeah but yet you you made me laugh at him which is like what well, that's, that's, it's a feat, you know, like when you really despise a character, it's hard to kind of come back from that.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's it. I, again, like to get to give the writers credit, it's the same thing where I was like, I didn't, I didn't think that arrow could kind of bounce back from the place where it was at that point, And, it, and they did. And it's the same thing with Damien dark. Like if you would have told me when they killed him on arrow, like that, like when you when they bring him back on Legends, they're they're gonna like magically fix. Like I remember sitting in the the panel room when they were announcing it at, at San Diego, and just being like, everybody's super excited about the JSA and the Legion of Doom, but like Legends had kind of underwhelmed the previous year, and Damian Dark was a a mess on Arrow. I was just like, this could kill the show. Like I I, I really was just like bringing a character like Damien Dark onto a show that was already like borderline working could easily have killed the show. If they had continued to miscalculate how to use that character.
1: And thankfully they didn't. Yeah.
0: Um, and, and we got uh, that. Was that the season we got sorry, or was that last year we got sorry, last year we got Zari. Yeah, last year we got sorry, <laughs> uh, I think Zari is underrated. I, 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 first of all, I love Tala. Uh, she's just great. Um, like, and and I don't know as much about her as I do about the other actors because she hasn't been around as long, and she doesn't do quite as much on the social media front as like Katie and Brandon do. But uh, th- I, there's just is she. I find her performance and also her persona just to be generally very likable. And uh, I, I, again, it was a character who, when she came in, I was like, I don't know if this is going to work because the first episode was kind of clunky. Uh, But very quickly she grew on me. And by the end of last season, I was just like, yeah, we can, we can keep Zari and get rid of Vixen. That's cool. That's a good trade.
1: Yeah. I also, you know, the thing with Vixen, as much as I loved her and I love the actress, you know, there was always that sort of like, you know, elephant in the room of she has to go back. She has to go back, you know, and, and even though you're playing with time, you know, she's still, there's still always that element of she's going to have to go back to her town. Um, I, I kind of had always assumed that we were going to find out that Nate was actually the father of her kids, which they could still do.
0: Yeah, um, I, I, I assumed at the time that's what they were going to do because it would have given you the opportunity to... Uh, it would have given you the opportunity to just kind of have your cake and eat it too. Just be like, right. okay, well, you know, we now that we know that all we have to do is like get the kid back in time and you know, mind flash her with the little time bureau thing,
1: <laughs> right? Um,
0: but, but, uh, yeah,
1: uh, but, but I really enjoy Tala and I feel like last season I feel like she was maybe underutilized a little bit. Um, you know because she would only have she wasn't really like a focal point i feel like um but every time she had a scene it was always fun like i always liked her scenes with mick mm-hmm. i loved her stuff with jonah hex in the finale um you know even when she was in scenes with wally like she always like sort of like you said she she does a good job and you know you could tell that she she always gives like she delivers a good performance you know mm-hmm. Um, even if she is just sort of in the background and the scene is not necessarily important for her, quote unquote. Um, but I liked in this first this first episode, they were kind of setting up the friendship with her and Ray and uh, you know, how she's kind of helping him with, you know, the Nora thing. And yeah. Um I like that. I don't know how I feel about the Nora thing. Um, I'm always not a fan of employing people's spouses.
0: Yeah. And I mean it's it's
1: Although the thing I will say is, of all of the women that they have attempted to pair Ray with on this show, she is the only one he's had actual chemistry with. So, um, in that vein, then I'm fine with it.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I also kind of feel like, uh, and now I'm blanking on her name, but I, I feel like uh, the girl who played Courtney Courtney, Courtney Ford. Ford. I feel like Courtney Ford is is one of those people who has very much like Matt Ryan like she's got a natural chemistry with almost everybody because she's just so like the way that her performance is, is so emotional. Like even when she was being kind of the cold, evil, dark last season, there was something passionate about her performance that made it interesting to watch in a way that a lot of people in that same role wouldn't have been. So I think that like she gets a little bit of benefit of the doubt because of the fact that everybody, like everybody works on screen with her for the most part.
1: Yeah. It's funny. She, um she was on supernatural uh two seasons ago and she, her character was, um, she gave birth to a uh, to Lucifer's child. So the child was, they call it a Nephilim on uh, Supernatural. It was a half, you know, like like the omen. Damien is a half uh, half human, half demon. Um,
0: don't those hang out with the woozles? And... <laughs> to... uh,
1: but so it was funny. Then she comes, so she's that character, right? And I'm like, oh, she gives birth literally to Demon Spawn. And then, um, you know, she comes on this show and she's the vessel for a demon. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh, so we have a theme. <laughs>
0: uh, but yeah, I, I I also think that it will be more interesting to see what they do with that this year because a they don't have to spend time establishing it, and b the the thing of Ray giving her the time stone and of Zari's response to it it sets up an interesting dynamic with Ray and Zari that I think can pay off in a good way because obviously Zari last season spent so much time trying to find loopholes around stuff and trying to hack the time stream. Uh, I, I I kind of like the idea that she's willing to kind of let Ray explore this while still keeping an eye on what he's doing. Yeah. Um, All right, any final thoughts? I feel like we've we've talked a lot, not necessarily a ton about the specific episode, but that's fine.
1: Um just it's I mean it's just my favorite. It remains after that first episode, I was like, Yep, still my favorite. (laughs) I enjoy it every week. I look forward to it every week. I'm super intrigued to see where it's going. Um, I love the addition of Constantina. You know, I, I loved him in the, the, the handful of episodes he was in last season and I, I think this season will just be great. Mm-hmm. And uh I can't say enough about Matt Ryan either. He's such a good actor. Um that final scene in the episode with him, mm-hmm. that's all physical, you know, that the physicality of that uh was just really great. Like I was like, wow, he's really like, you know, yeah really doing you- it. It was it was really good. Um I'm I don't have any idea who I don't know if you know, if you do if you have an idea like what what it was that was um you know like what what was possessing him I guess
0: uh, I'm not sure. I think that I I think the answer is it's the season's big bad. Okay. Like that, I did not know it, if
1: that we were know. supposed to be able to guess that or not. I'm sometimes no, not I don't think, that stuff. I mean, okay. Th-
0: <laughs> think about the fact that we didn't we we never heard Mollis' name until like a third of the way into last season. Uh so I imagine it's going to be something similar where we're going to start seeing things. And I'm, I'm curious, honestly, whether it's going to have to do with the rising darkness from Constantine's show. Hmm, okay. Because when he shows up, he says the darkness is rising, uh, which is a callback to the in, in Constantine's show, some cosmic or cosmological event had occurred and it had opened up a gateway and was allowing demons to come in basically. And so, basically, you had this this situation where Constantine had been exercising demons his whole life, but all of a sudden it was an every week thing instead of a once every few months thing. And uh, that was the all season long. It was always the darkness is rising. The darkness is rising. Mm, It's the rising darkness. And so when he comes in and says, the darkness is rising, I'm just like, okay, so is this connected to the rising darkness or are they just kind of winking and nodding at the audience and the people who remember that are gonna, you know what I mean? Right.
1: right, Gotcha. Okay.
0: So we'll see. Uh, We'll see. Yeah, I wasn't
1: sure. I'm often not good at getting like, I don't, necessarily get those hints all the time so someone will be like oh that was supposed to be and I'm like oh oh okay i didn't know
0: <laughs> yeah but yeah it's uh one of those things where i uh one of those things where i i don't know that anybody is supposed to know i think that's supposed to just intrigue you so that you come back for more but i do think that probably it will be that that's the big bad like first entry which again, if it turns out to be connected to the rising darkness in some way, the fact that the big bad is targeting John because John is the way that they have to win makes sense. Mm. So, but uh, all right, uh, I'm gonna. Uh, I guess that's uh, that's it for today. How can people find you on the wide world of webs?
1: Um, you can follow me on Twitter at mimic1019. That's m i m i c 1019. And I have in there links to the other podcasts that I do, the hashtag TV geek and the Krypton podcast. And you can see some of my writing. I'll link it there at uh, TV source magazine as well.
0: All right. And people know how to find me. You can follow me on at Russ Burling game on Twitter, or follow the show at ECV underscore podcast on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook at the Emerald city video podcast. Also Instagram, Spotify, Podbean, Apple podcasts, all that good stuff. Uh, you can, uh, uh, f- you can check out our patron page at patron.emeraldcityvideo.podbean.com or or something like that. Uh, it's in the notes anyway. So if you go to our Podbean account, it's in our it's in the show notes. And uh, I'll have I'll have uh, links to probably not tonight, but probably tomorrow. I'll put links to a bunch of other stuff in the show notes as well because I'm going to try to get this up tonight. So that as I said in the intro. Uh, people who are watching this on the West coast can immediately just kind of download the podcast and hear our thoughts on the premiere. But, uh, I've got a mountain of undone work. And so I don't think that I'm going to be able to do both this and detailed show notes before I go to sleep. So, (laughs) but, uh, Everybody, uh, they, we're we're gonna be back. Actually, I'll be back tomorrow talking with uh, Jv Johnston who, or Johnson, who is the organizer for Scar Scarecon here in Syracuse, that's going on this weekend. And you've got uh, Katie Featherston from the uh, Paranormal Activity movies, and Malcolm McDowell from uh, Tank Girl and Oh Lucky Man, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, some weird little movie nobody's ever heard of called A Clockwork Orange. Uh, and, uh, and so I'm going to be talking with the organizer of the show tomorrow. So you can check back on the second day by noon and there'll be more Elmwood City video. Everybody, please remember to be kind and rewind your cassettes.